As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by Matt Fortuna in Chicago. Today we have a special guest, former Notre Dame basketball player and current ACC Network host, Jordan Cornett. Uh, we talked about a bunch of different things, his new career, Notre Dame's fit in the ACC, just sort of how that's all processed through for Notre Dame, still two weeks into the season, even though we're sitting here and it's early October. Matt, um, we actually get a Notre Dame game this weekend. I'll be there. I'm assuming you'll be at home watching Miami Clemson. Um, I will. I will definitely be bringing uh, Tate's iPad to the game to watch that. But uh, what the? Uh, I, I guess sort of as Notre Dame gets restarted, and you've sort of sat through a bunch of Brian Kelly press conferences on Zoom. How are you feeling about? I guess sort of where Notre Dame is is. I mean, it's still bizarre to me that they're number five in the country um, and they haven't played for what feels like a month. Yeah, I mean, well, they didn't lose Iowa State, Pete, um, like Oklahoma did this past week, or Texas <laughs> losing. Matt Cam- Matt Campbell is, like, trying to text me about, like, hey, would you take me back? You, you do know that uh, or... Brock Purdy, their quarterback, has a brother named Chuba Purdy who plays for Florida State, but I believe he's injured uh, coming into this week. So he will not uh, he will not be impressing you in, in person Saturday night. Yeah, I'll, I'll have multiple TVs set up to watch both games, and I, who knows, I mean – uh, Miami's, uh, they look good so far, but I mean, would it shock anyone if Clemson ran them off the field like they have to pretty much everyone the last few years? I, I, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I'm intrigued about the idea of a, a meaningful ACC game with ACC title game implications in the regular season, which is something we haven't had uh, in the league in a while. Uh, as far as on the field stuff or off the field stuff, I guess should, I should say, the last two weeks. Um, interesting just seeing kind of the tone Brian Kelly has struck um, when speaking. Um, I, I wouldn't say one of uncertainty, but but one of kind of tempered expectations of, hey, we, we got the daylight scared out of us, kind of. Like we, we kind of uh, had a this is your life moment, if you will, the last two weeks where like, all right, we cannot mess around anymore. Like uh, yeah, he threw out so many different scenarios uh, Monday when he spoke about uh, what could have happened or what could happen and how we're not going to celebrate and this and that. And, and um, I just think everyone's 
on their on their toes right now over there. And you know, good good week to do that because it's a game where I think you could show up with your C game and still win against Florida State. Uh, but but it does make me. Um, I wouldn't say uneasy, but I really don't know what kind of team I'm going to see take the field Saturday night because it's not going to look like the one we saw three weeks ago. I think that is exactly how Brian Kelly sees it, which is like one of the most interesting parts of these last couple of weeks is, I mean, we, look, you, you and I, we've been through a lot of Brian Kelly press conferences and we know how he presents himself, his word choice, all that stuff. Um, he almost always projects an air of certainty and optimism um, that he knows what's going to happen. This is a huge exception to that rule um, because you hear him talk about what they're going to look like on Saturday night, and it's clear he does not know. Um, and look, we talked to him again on Thursday. Uh, we're recording this before the, that press conference. But you know, whether it was Thursday, I think it was Thursday of last week, or his regular Monday availability, there is a lot of I've never had to do this before. Uh, you know, this is in some ways harder than an opener. Um, you know, and on top of the rust, you've got sort of the the COVID comeback protocols where you know you go from thirty nine players out uh, when they would have played Wake Forest down into the I believe the low teens. Maybe they'll be in the single digits by Saturday, assuming they didn't have any new positives Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, which I I don't think is necessarily a safe assumption. You know, those players. If you were out two weeks ago, are you back but only at 50%? What does that look like? Um, you know, if the entire defensive line got it, how does that rotation work? If you can, if it's a position where you're already rotating and then you can only rotate half of what you normally would, do you have to play 12 guys at the defensive line? What if you're talking about a position where only one guy plays, where it's quarterback or offensive line? How would you really rotate there? I don't think so. But um, I think there's just so much uncertainty about this game. It's why it's really why it's an interesting game because the opponent is not interesting at all, other than their logo and helmets. Um, so I I don't know what to expect on Saturday, and and I don't know if Brian Kelly necessarily does. I thought either. it was interesting um, when he got asked Monday what he's learned from the situation, and he talked about protocols they put in place and celebrations. And, you know, he said something to the effect of a celebration, a game could have cost us four or five guys, guys make big plays and they, they want to celebrate. And my first words are don't celebrate, don't do this. And yeah, he, he got asked later on, um, did that actually happen? Or, you know, why did you say that? And he, he said, I'm referring to a potential situation, not a hypothetical one, which I think is uh, as close to transparent as you're legally allowed to get in the COVID times as a head coach at a private school. So uh, it, it's just weird. I mean, I, I don't know how else to, to really describe it. It's a strange situation. Um, we, we don't know all of whom will actually be playing um, Saturday night. And again, we sit here recording this on Thursday morning. <laughs> If you want to go back and listen to whatever we said the Thursday before the South Florida game, and, and you know, look at how we were talking that following Monday, um, given all the all that went wrong off the field um, that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, it, it's just really hard to to predict. Um, again, they're playing a team that is coming off their first one of the year and thinks they may have found a quarterback, but it isn't very good. Uh, so I guess you know. The, the, the schedule gods, the ACC schedule gods have, have been kind to, to Notre Dame in, in that regard, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's a realistic expectation on the field this week. I really don't. How do you feel about uh, the 20-point spread? Maybe it's 21 now. Um, 
that seems like a big number to me. Um, I think the over-under is around 52. That also seems like a big number to me because I have a very hard time seeing Jordan Travis mounting any consistent offense against Clark Lee. Um, but I also am not sure that Notre Dame's offense is ready to necessarily take flight either. Um, you know, is Ian Book going to be better than the Duke version of Ian Book? That would be something significant. Um, I, I guess what what are you most curious to see outside of just the who plays and how much part of Saturday? Currently night? a 20 and a half point spread, 52 point over under, um, which under normal circumstances, hammered Notre Dame, hammered the over. I mean, they just scored, I think, 52 of their last time out um, against a team from Florida that also isn't very. But that would be a push. I, I'm counting on Florida State. That would only like be a push, points. Matt. Yeah, maybe. Uh, what's the weather? Do we know that? I mean, it's Saturday night. It's uh, it's supposed so to be beautiful. Be cool. No, I mean, no, it's a high of seventy on Saturday. But so it's a nice it's, kickoff. Uh, and those guys from Florida—that's that's cold for them. <laughs> <laughs> Just say after two uh, years ago when it was in the twenties and some of Notre Dame's DBs came out and warmed up without shirts on. That Florida State was like Miami Sun Bowl two thousand ten, not wanting to play. Um, yeah, Saturday forecast, partially cloudy, high of 79, low of 55. Um, that may be frigid for Florida State, but um, I think it uh, for Notre Dame, I think you would call that a beautiful fall evening. I still think, I mean, 20 and a half, it's a lot, given the uncertainty. I, I, I would still take Notre Dame because they're, um, they're a team we know a lot about or knew a lot about, at least amongst the frontline people on, on that team. Whereas, you know, you can run your way to a 28 nothing victory, hypothetically, there if you're Notre Dame and you're, you're not comfortable uh, playing a lot of guys or unleashing too much of, of your playbook there. Um, I, I, I've just seen so little from Florida State on the field this year to make me think, even under the worst of circumstances, they could keep within three touchdowns of Notre Dame. I mean, I just – I could be wrong if, you know, Ian Buck ends up not playing or something crazy happens Saturday or guys are not fully recovered uh, from the last two weeks, but – I know enough about both teams where I feel comfortable saying Notre Dame wins this game by at least three touchdowns. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, I'm most curious to see how Notre Dame's offensive line plays because, you know, I, I realize Florida State has not delivered defensively the way that they should with, you know, Josh Kando has been banged up, um, Marvin Wilson, is a you know first round pick Asante Samuel is excellent. Um, I I just sort of view Notre Dame's offensive line as, especially because I've heard that you know they have not missed any time over the last few weeks among the starters. Like that group should be able to pick up where it left off, and if it can take another step forward. I mean, you wrote about Pittsburgh's defensive line. Now is a good time to start to start getting in shape for Pittsburgh if you're Notre Dame's offensive front, um, and if they can take a big step forward on, on Saturday night or at least just sort of look better, um, get better and better. I think they've gotten better each of the first two weeks. That would be something that would travel the rest of the season. But I think so much of the rest of this game, matchups, individual performances, is kind of a one-off because of the two-week layoff or really a three-week layoff 
combined with you know the reason for that layoff is is guys being held out for for COVID protocols. That's what uh, makes me, I guess, optimistic, cautiously optimistic. I guess is the appropriate term about Notre Dame this week. Is uh, you look at that offensive line, you look at the way they've been graded. I think PFF College's Twitter account has put out some numbers this week about you know how good they've been so far through two games. Um, that's, I mean, that should be in theory the strength of Notre Dame's team, and uh, as you said, I, there's zero indication so far that that group has really been affected by everything that's happened so far. And I mean, when that's your backbone and they're as healthy as, as anyone on the roster, and you're going up against a team that might be looking for a reason to quit. I mean, they were two years ago when they came to South Bend, um, and they haven't really shown a whole lot on the field so far. That's what makes me think, you know, even in a, an ugly game, Notre Dame can, can win this one going away because. Uh, you know, we saw that South Florida game. I mean, obviously, you know, they were healthy for the most part, but uh, th- that was very much a game of, you know, we're going to put as many tight ends on the field as possible. We're going to run as many different running backs as possible. Uh, we're just going to get out of here as quick as possible, win this game by as much as possible. Thank you, non-conference season. Back to uh, ACC play. <laughs> I-, I-, I think there's a similar approach to this. I Maybe maybe it's different with the weather. I mean, the, or, excuse me, not the weather, the, the night game. I mean, I don't – it's not a normal season, so I don't think it's going to be some kind of crazy electric environment. Um, you know, students might be a little more buzzed than they are during the day, but that's 10,000 out of 80,000. Um, I, I just think, you know, when push comes to shove, when you reduce the game of football to its simplest elements, Notre Dame has five good offensive linemen that can play well together, and that really outweighs everything else. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, I think that's how if Notre Dame mauls Florida State, it's the offensive line is the reason why, or just some really fluky stuff like another 30 year old long snapper firing the ball out of the end zone on multiple occasions, and Jordan Botello murdering said middle aged punter. But uh, I, you know, I guess I'm I'm a little bit more conservative about how Notre Dame scores it. So I, I'm sort of in the, I think I'm going to settle on 30 to 10. You know, which is right on the line, but comfortably under. I, it doesn't strike me as like a, a very high-scoring game, um, but it, it do, also doesn't strike me as a game that by the middle of the third quarter should have any drama about it whatsoever. I'll go 34-10. Um, I, I think Notre Dame covers. I, I, I'm not comfortable going with the over just yet. Um, I do think for games like this, we should start this now kind of on the fly, give it prop predictions because there's really no fun or drama. I guess there is if you pick them to win by 20 and the line's 20 and a half, but... Um, I know I hate give me a player that. over under or prediction or, or something to look for Saturday night um, prop bets um, I'll give you two Kevin Austin receptions I'm going to set it even at four uh, and then also Kyle Hamilton interceptions um, let's do 0.5 see it's funny I was going to say Kevin Austin snaps 15 mm, I think it's going to be over on that one yeah, I think it's going to be over on snaps. We'll go – I'd say under on the receptions. I I think that the Louisville game is sort of where he breaks out. And, like, I'm sorry, but if Kyle Hamilton doesn't end up in an interception on, on Saturday night, I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong with him because um, he's he's due for it. Amazingly, Notre Dame has not had one um, so far this season, even though they have – their pass efficiency defense is fifth in the country. Um, they just haven't played quarterbacks even good enough to throw interceptions perhaps. Um so I, you know, Kevin Austin getting back, that would be another thing I think from this game that would travel moving forward. I just expect it's going to take another week before we see the Kevin Austin that I saw 
during Notre Dame's only spring practice when he was just dominating Notre Dame's That's kind of how I feel as well. I, I have a hard time seeing him just getting on the field uh, w- with this team, with everything it's just been through, and just immediately looking like that guy that we're all kind of hoping he looks like. I mean, it, it could happen, and it would be great for Notre Dame if it does, but I think we're still a week away from that, just reading between the lines with, with Brian Kelly's public comments. I, I'll say above 15 snaps – under four receptions, and I'll go under for Kyle Hamlin because I, I don't think Florida State's going to really throw his way at all. I mean, if they're smart, they won't. His way is every way, Matt. He covers the entire field. You cannot avoid throwing we'll, it. We'll probably get an update from Brian Kelly here, but he did not play in that scrimmage. I know you don't need to play him uh, on Sunday, that was, that Notre Dame had. Um, he did, Brian Kelly didn't sound freaked out or anything. He said he's going to play. Everything's fine, but... Um, I, if he's 99%, I don't know why you'd play him 60 snaps in this game. Like, I just don't. Yeah, I, that I, the expectation talking to uh, people close to Kyle Hamilton is this is going to be sort of a limited uh, return to play. Um, not, And I don't mean that in like 15 to 20 snaps. I mean, maybe 50% of what he would normally play. And normally he would play 100% of the snaps. So... You know, if Florida State runs 60 plays, you'll probably see Kyle Hamilton out there for 30 of them. I think that would be a, a good night's work for him, which means at least I, one I think the team will get interceptions. Um, I think they got one on the first play of the game last time they played Florida State, um, and I, I think they'll get uh, some more this week. I, I'll say the under on Kyle Hamilton, though. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to transition out of Florida State talk, bring in our special guest, Jordan Cornette, uh, former Notre Dame forward, and I think he makes – a little bit light of not a three-point specialist. Defensive he was stopper. Here. Uh, and cur- yeah, defensive stopper and uh, current ACC network host. He had some pretty good insight on the new role, and uh, we talked a little uh, ACC Notre Dame stuff too. So let's get to Jordan Cornette. I've been asked this question a bunch uh, when Notre Dame joined the ACC, and I want to put it to you too. If Notre Dame wins the ACC Conference Championship in football, what does it do with the trophy? Does it leave it in Charlotte? Does it take it back to South Bend, but then sort of put it in storage, Raiders of the Lost Ark style? Does it pass it around like the Stanley Cup? Or does Brian Kelly take a page from your guy, Mike Bray's playbook, and bolt it to the top of his car and drive around uh, Chapel Hill and Clemson, South Carolina with it? I mean, I can feel ACC uh, Blue Bloods ripping their hair out at the very idea of this being presented. Uh, in a lot of ways, people might say, this feels like the Astros winning the World Series. Notre Dame never wanted to be a part of this thing. Now they're <laughs> uh, Now, to be clear, Notre Dame is not a cheater. But in terms of people not quickly to welcome them in because of their lack of desire to be a part of this thing until they had to, those feelings are very real. Uh, I would say... I think they put it front and center with everything else because, uh, and this is probably the most diplomatic answer, but some sincerity to it as well. It gives them an opportunity to say, hey, look, in this time, look how we were able to adjust. Look how we were able to deliver sports to our fan base uh, who who so much desire and love and adore um, Notre Dame and its tradition of college football on Saturdays. Not only were we able to give that to you, we were able to thrive. And at the end of the road, we were able to win something substantial, something that if you asked us months prior would have been laughed at to think we'd be in this thing. So I think it speaks to resiliency. And I I know it's not a a national championship, although that could be on the table for them if they do win this thing, obviously. 
you would think that gives them a place at the table for the CFP and a chance to win it. But I think to them, it says in the face of adversity, we thrived. And what's more Notre Dame than that? I can't think of a better or more fitting way to end 2020 and December 19th, pretty close to it with Notre Dame winning the ACC football championship. Just don't put a headline where Cornette predicts this anyway. I don't need yeah, that. This is all getting aggregated. I don't need that heat. What is, I mean, through four weeks on the field, what's been your biggest takeaway or surprise for, from the teams that played so far in the ACC? I mean, look, I'd say that I'd probably start in the Sunshine State and start with just how bad Florida State has looked. Uh, there's talent there. There is talent there. And I know a lot of people who are the detractors say, no, it's a lack of talent, which is where they are. I don't care if it is a lack of talent to Florida State's typical standards, which now you'd probably have to go back to like three, four years ago to really talk about that. Uh, but yet still, how they have looked, the lack of discipline, the lack of interest and drive and passion for such a proud program. Coach Norvell has a huge undertaking in front of him. I do believe he's the guy, but the start has really been eye-opening. On the flip side, I think the Canes have been so fun to watch. The De'Ara King impact immediately. Uh, is, I don't know if there's an easier guy to root for with his personal life, as you guys know, having lost his father, uh, his mother winning the battle with cancer. Um, but we know the cancer fight is ongoing always. Um, and for this guy to come in there after sitting out that year, coming from Houston and in the weird way that he did uh, with coach asking him to sit, him feeling like he let it down his teammates and being the good natured kid that he is said, I, I don't feel comfortable being here anymore. I feel like I let these guys down. I want to go play football and I want a fresh start. What a fresh start it's been. I mean, Miami's offensive line has elevated their play just enough to give a guy who can, when the, when the play breaks down, make something happen with a De'Ara King. Uh, defensively, they've been strong despite Greg Rousseau opting out. This team is primed and ready, and what better test than this weekend versus Clemson? I mean, everyone wants to say, is the U back? Well, if that's a one-score game, I can, I can feel like you're getting closer. If they beat Clemson, the U is all the way back. I mean, that's not even up for debate. So Manny Diaz in the position he's had them in has been fun. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they have in store for them. That being said, with Notre Dame and North Carolina, I feel like they're two teams obviously in the top 10, but I want to see a little bit more. I, I love Notre Dame blanking USF, not giving them any opportunity to feel like they were going to be in this thing. Uh, I like North Carolina handling business versus Boston College, a team that's dangerous. But both teams offensively have lacked the explosion I would have hoped to see. North Carolina propped up a little bit better to be good offensively. Notre Dame with Ian Book getting chemistry with those guys. But still, I want to see some explosion. And maybe that comes this week. One more uh, to try to get you in trouble before you leave here. Best Mike Bray story. <laughs> Best oh, Mike Bray. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Let me tell you, Coach. That's its own podcast, I think. I was about to say, I could go really long on this. The, the best way to answer that without going across the board, because I have a million of them, Coach Bray is one of the funniest guys you're ever going to meet. And everybody knows he's charismatic. He's going to walk into a job in TV um, doing this commentating thing, no question. But Coach can dismiss, put a player in his place better than anybody in the world and let them know, hey, you think you're the man, but you're really not. And I think that speaks to the chemistry he has with his guys because he's like one of the guys. And a quick story I could tell that kind of led me to where I am today talking to you guys is we had played Syracuse in 2003, the national championship year, Carmelo Anthony, Hakeem Warwick, G-Mac, all those guys. 
we played them on a, on a Saturday night in South Bend. Game went how you'd expect it to go. I was checking Carmelo Anthony. I had like four points, one of eight from three-point line. He had about 35 points, <laughs> shooting 75% from the field. Business as usual. I mean, this is what she expected. He, he remembers your stat line the exact same too, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, so guys, the, the game ends, they win. We didn't embarrass ourselves. We played them close. We were a good team that year, but we lost the game. I played whatever. It was a normal Cornette line, I feel like. I did my best defensively, gave a little bit offensively, played with a lot of heart. So the game ends. Whenever we lost games, we did not go out. It was just kind of a thing. Like, don't go out and, and party if you didn't handle your business on the court. So SOP didn't go out. Next day, I get a call from the secretary of the basketball office. Karen says, coach would like to see you before practice. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I think I did my job on the court to the best of my ability. I tried. Hell, I didn't go out, so I can't be getting in trouble. That's usually the call you get. And so I come to the office, and, and coach says, sit down. And he shows me the paper, some Tom Noy article. And it was the post-game setup of uh, the typical post-game wrap-up. And so the quotes were all me in there. And he goes, Jordan, this article is essentially verbatim from the horse's mouth, everything you saw happen. He's like, if you could play the game of basketball as well as you can give these post-game comments to guys like Tom Noy, you'd be a mother effing All-American. <laughs> so I sat there and it clicked in my head as I said, I understand, coach. I walked out going, that's what I'm going to do with my life. I knew I should be a sports broadcaster. That's what I'm going to do. And I continue to go one for eight from the three-point line and continue to get dominated by more talented guys in the Big East. So what Coach said, it backfired. He thought he was going to light a fire in me and I was going to turn into this All-American. All I did was further sharpen the focus of this is what I want to do with my life. So Coach was good at digging into guys, but that one didn't go the way I think he wanted it to go. Joke's going to be on you, Mike Bray, when you're working for the ACC Network and Jordan Cornette is your studio host. (laughs) (laughs) It'll all come full circle then, Pete. (laughs) I love it. Well, Jordan, thanks for coming on the Shamrock and and, uh, sharing some stories about your time here and also the ACC Network. It's uh, I don't know. I was on Packer and Durham yesterday, and I sort of jokingly said, like, next year can – can I still come on the show? Uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you can still come on the show. But it's, I think it's been a cool fit for Notre Dame and the ACC. And even if it's just a one-year thing, it's, it's going to be a fun ride. And like you said earlier, like we're all just sort of grateful that there is a ride to go on at all. Well, just, just so I can play my studio host hat for a second. I mean, what have you guys felt like covering Notre Dame in this capacity, them being under the ACC umbrella? Has it felt different for you guys in any regard? I think it's for for me. It's too early. Um, although I think this Saturday will hit when it's not. Like I'm going to be covering Notre Dame, Florida State, but I'm going to be more interested in Miami, Clemson. Um, you know, North North Carolina, Virginia Tech. I'm way more interested in that than I would be otherwise because it you know may impact how Notre Dame gets to Charlotte or doesn't. It's early, but it's it's interesting for me in the sense of you know they lose in, at Georgia last year in week three and. For all intents and purposes, the season, at least the preseason expectations of making a playoff run again, is is kibosh. Um, you, you basically are scoreboard watching, hoping teams in other conferences lose, and maybe Notre Dame can play its way back in here. Whereas when you're playing for a conference title, if they're to lose one of these next three or four games before Clemson, it matters. It obviously matters, but there's, hey, they're playing Clemson November 7th. And if that doesn't go well, maybe you get them again anyway. So I, I think it changes uh, the in-season narrative and the way we talk about this team and the way the goals are adjusted or unadjusted um, just because they have 
They basically have a mulligan. They don't have a mulligan when they're sure. not a conference. Yeah, re- really, I need Notre Dame to play 15 games so they can still do Dublin against Navy, and I can still cover the game at Lambeau, and I can still be in L.A. or Northern California at the end of the year. That's The, the travel restrictions are the real problem here. Yeah, what a year for that schedule to be scrapped, man. That's unfortunate. We're excited. All, We're going to try to make it to Lambeau because my wife has family in Wisconsin. And a lot of them are big Packers fans. So we're, we're excited for that one. It's tough. So we'll see. But guys, I really appreciate you, Pete, having me on. Likewise. Hopefully I'll see you down the road if we're ever on the road again. So ACC championship game. <laughs> yes. Charlotte. Here go. we come. December 19th. All right. <laughs> see you. Right, Take care. See you. Thanks. That's former Notre Dame basketball player and current ACC Network host Jordan Cornett. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of The Shamrock. Matt and I will get back together virtually on Saturday night post-Notre Dame-Florida State. Talk a bunch of Irish Knolls, probably a little bit of uh, Clemson-Miami as well. We'll record that late. It'll be up for you sometime Sunday morning. So until then, thanks for being with us on the latest episode of The Shamrock. The Shamrock.